from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm here with the maintenance man, Amal Shaw. It's a Thursday, just, just 11 days before Super Bowl Sunday, Amal, and we continue to get more news around the NFL. Jim Harbaugh interviews with the Vikings, decides to stay at Michigan. Were you surprised? I was surprised Minnesota chose not to hire him, uh, but I was actually also surprised that he was considering that job. When I look at it, I'm not really sure they're going to be a team that's going to be able to win a Super Bowl. That's the goal. Remember, this is a guy for, you know, coaches that have coached at least 50 games in the NFL who's got a top five winning percentage. 44 and 19 in San Francisco had a tremendous run. Um, but to me, it's kind of bad long term if you're Michigan because you're always going to have in the back of your mind and people are going to use against you in recruiting that he's going to be going elsewhere. I think that I think this signals he's going to finish his career at Michigan. I like the move as a college football fan for him to stay at Michigan. Um, I mean, he'd take a chance to try to turn around another franchise. But I agree with you. I didn't think Minnesota was a top three uh, top three uh, squad I want to be going to if I had a choice. It was interesting. Stephen Ross made the comment. He goes, he won't hire Jim Harbaugh because he doesn't want to do that to the University of yeah. Michigan. Remember, Stephen Ross, a big donor at UM. But I actually thought Harbaugh going to Miami would have been a great fit. They just needed to upgrade the quarterback position, and I think they could be successful fairly quickly. The defense is already a top-10 defense there. We saw this team reel off uh, eight straight wins again and just missing the playoffs, but you're right. The quarterback play is what separated them from the playoffs. Instead, Minnesota goes with Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator for the Rams. Were you surprised by that move? I was a little bit. um, You know, it's interesting to me sometimes when you decide to hire these coordinators. At what weeks of the Rams season did you think Kevin O'Connell was the guy? Weeks 1 through 4, 12 through 17? Because weeks 5 through 11 were not exactly overly impressive. I like the fact that Harbaugh had more of a proven track record. Um, But, you know, they decided to go this way, and we'll see what happens. Does Sean McVay have the greatest coaching tree of any 36-year-old ever? Well, generally, there aren't a lot of 36-year-old head coaches, so the answer would be yes. I mean, everybody that's worked with this guy in any way, shape, or form has become a head coach in the NFL, it seems like. Uh, It seems to be the case. I think so many times people try to tap from the same tree, and we've seen it with Belichick. It hasn't been successful. We've seen it at Nick Saban at the collegiate level. It's not been as successful outside of Kirby Smart. Uh, maybe I'm not going to give Lane the Saban tree because he started with Pete Carroll before he got several other head coaching jobs before that, so... Um, you know, it just depends on the coach and things. I find it interesting because it's obvious McVay's calling the plays in L.A., right? Yeah. And you're hiring a guy that wasn't even the play caller 
uh, to be your head man, because I often think that that might work against Bienemy as well. When you say we're going to hire an offensive coordinator, Andy Reid's the guy calling all the plays. I, I tell you what, um, you know, it's interesting. Everyone's complaining about it. I, I can tell you right now, I don't care who's calling the plays in Kansas City. Based on some of the play calls I've seen in some clutch situations, I don't want either of these guys. We've known for 20 years Andy Reid refuses to run the football. You know, I thought they could have run the ball with CEH and, of course, with Jarek McKinnon. They didn't do that enough. Well, there was it's a cardinal sin you didn't run it on second and goal from the four with a minute 20 in Cincinnati not having any timeouts. I that agree. was terrible. Now, I, I did cre- read credit for this. At the end of the first half, he said, that's on me. That was a bad play call. I got to get him a better play call. I disagree with that, though. I'll take, I think Reed deserves the blame for the end of the game. The first half, how does Mahomes throw that ball out in the flat with two defenders between uh, Hill and the goal line? He can't make that throw. Your quarterback has to make a better decision. I hear what you're saying. And, you know, to me, though, this I take responsibility means absolutely zero. We still lost. We just lost one football season, and we're not going to have everyone back next year. It's so hard to get back to this point. Look at Kansas City. Four straight consecutive, four consecutive championship games they are going to have one Super Bowl during that time. And they probably look back, sit there, and think to themselves, probably could have had three. I'm all we want to talk about some notable Super Bowl bets and how you might hedge them. It's, it's all generally the same question. It's a, it's a bet on the Bengals to win, to win the Super Bowl with large payouts. Uh, I don't know who discovered these. Maybe our Cracker Jack reporter, um, Ben Fox, uh, first reported on these. But there's a $50,000 bet on the Bengals at 20 to 1 at MGM. Pays a million. Wow, great bet. A $13,444 bet on the Bengals at 35 to 1 at Caesars. Pays almost a half million. And then 1000 at 100 to 1 at Stations. Let's just address the simplest one for math. 50,000 at 20 to 1 on the Bengals. If you held it, now you yeah. and everybody's different. Correct. You, that's a great point. Well, everybody's different. First of all, your situation's different. Your 100%. Conf- that's the most important thing. Your confidence in the pick is different. Yes. Right? If you, Amal Shaw, had 50,000 to win a million on, the, on Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl, how would you bet this game? If it were me, mm-hmm. I would do one of two things. I, and I don't have the prop in front of me, but the Rams winning margin mm. is. One to three, one to three. Mm-hmm. is probably five to one or six to one. And then I would take the Rams minus four. I would buy it down to four and I would take the Rams minus four and make the play based on that and, and go based, you know, so kind of do the math to where you want to be to get about half the odds or maybe even better. If you feel like I am extremely confident the Rams are going to win this game. And if you're that way, then maybe you bet more money on the Rams side. If you're not, you take a shot with uh, Cincinnati and just go half of it or a third, however you feel uh, in terms of your level of confidence. I'm speaking specifically from my point of view. I would probably go to a point where I think I can make 600000 with the Rams and potentially get back 400000 of the Bengals. Well, let's do the math on it then. And let's, say one to, let's just do it simply. Let's yeah. say one to three mm-hmm. is, is five to one. Okay. And let's say you're buying it down to four at a dollar twenty. Yeah, dollar twenty. Dollar yeah. twenty, right. Yeah. Would you bet? I'd go four eighty and a hundred thousand. That's on the what I was gonna say. A hundred thousand at five to one. Yeah. And then four eighty laying to four. Yeah. To win four hundred. Yep. If they win by six, um, you pick up three hundred, right? Correct. And you lose your hundred that you or your fifty you bet. So you profit two fifty. Right. If Cincinnati wins the game, by, you profit four twenty. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. And if they win if they win by one to three, you end up making what is it? You said five to one? Yes, five to one. So you ended up you don't make as much money. Because you lose that uh, four hundred thousand, that four eighty you put on there, mm-hmm. so you probably have to put about one fifty on, on there. You got to put more on there, yeah. yeah because then you'd get back seven fifty and right. lose the four eighty. Yeah, one fifty, two seventy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, or you can mm-hmm. just go straight money line and say, hey, you don't want to put six hundred thousand on the on the Rams 
and I net 300,000 of Rams win if the Bengals win, I net 400,000. The money line in this game opened 190 in favor of the Rams. Right. It's crept up to around $2 in most places. Johnny Vello was on yesterday. He said he thinks it closes lower. He thinks there'll be Cincinnati money line, and this closes around 175. Do you agree with that? I think it goes the other way to 210. Well, let me tell you, Johnny is one of the most respected guys, mm-hmm. that, at least from my perspective. I really respect Johnny's point of view on this, and if he believes that, uh, that's a great thing for you if you've got the Rams or you, you want like to take the Rams. Money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but to me, oh, Britton just sent this note. The Rams at BetMGM has the Rams minus Rams one to six at three to one. Um, that, that, it's interesting. How do you bet that? And then, and then you got to take the alternate, uh, the alternate number. Yeah, right. you got to get the alt number at six and a half yeah. or whatever. You know, we're kind of going on the fly in terms of this situation here with the odds on it. But I, I think again, you brought up a great point. The hedging comes down to your situation. You know, people would say, well, it's a low amount of money. I don't want to hedge. It's a high amount of money. I want to hedge. Maybe sometimes somebody put $50,000. The money is meaningless to them. And they win a million bucks. It's not going to do anything for them. Uh, so they don't need to hedge. And, and, you know, so everybody's circumstance and situation is different. My biggest philosophy is that I'm looking to make a profit in every situation. I'm not necessarily going for the grand score, but I'm going for one that's going to put me in a profitable situation. A couple of props. And while we talked about individually players to win the MVP, there's also available at BetMGM position to win MVP. Will a quarterback win MVP? Yes, is minus 350. Any other position, plus 275. Um, I don't like this bet at the price because you're just simply better off just betting Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, right? I mean, any other position. You know, you actually take Stafford, Burrow, and take the plus 275. It, it, there's so many different ways, but I don't particularly care for this bet. Okay, Will, uh, um, total number of touchdowns at the Super Bowl, Amal, over three and a half is minus 650, over four and a half is minus 250, the pick'em comes at five and a half, so six or, or, or five, over six and a half touchdowns, meaning seven, plus 180. Any leans there? If you like the game under, under four and a half touchdowns is plus 180. Um, this is an interesting one. I, I, I think the uh, over five and a half. Is pretty good. Yeah, right. minus one fifteen. Yeah. Any, will you have any interest in betting indexes or alternates in terms of totals? Like, if you like the game under, go find the alternate total under forty four and a half, under forty two and a half. Do you ever play it that way? I do not, um, but I think there's some opportunities of value in those situations. This is not my style of plays. You know, I, I would rather just find some games like, for example, the Rams itself. I like them. The biggest thing is, though, do you find something that you really like? And I think if you really go through all the numbers, you may find a hidden gem or two. Okay, I found one that I like, and you can give me your opinion. Matthew Stafford, anytime touchdown, plus $8. Him to score. Him to score. So he's got a rushing touchdown or a receiving touchdown. I think it's a good play. They get a well, he, goal, Look at McVay in the playoffs. He's yeah. sneaking this guy every game. Well, think about if you get a PI in the end zone. Yeah. Ball's placed at the one-yard yeah. line. Matthew Stafford is a very good option there. Yeah, I think to be the first touchdown scorer, he's 20 Five to one. Now, here at Circa, we've obviously opened up the squares that are wildly popular, right, where you pick the score each quarter. At the um, end of each quarter combined. Yes. So, but but it's the zero, zero, three, seven, seven, like that. Got it's it. like a board where you do it at the party. Mitch Moss did a good breakdown of this. The number of times the first quarter has ended in 0-0 zero, zero in a Super Bowl, statistically, is actually like plus 280. Right now in the squares here, it's plus 425. Wow. Um People tend to choose the long shots, obviously. They go for the twos and the fives and the and the eights and the nines because the payouts, the payouts are so high. But one thing that we've done is first touchdown score. 
And I, I don't know. We have over 100 people up there. I mean, we have everybody, offensive linemen, the punters. Uh, it, it's a really interesting board here at Circa. We took a bet, um, $100 on Buddy Howell, who's like the four-string Rams running back, at 2000 to one for the first touchdown. Pays 200000 what did he bet at that? How much? $100 on Buddy Howell, a customer bet, mm-hmm. to be the first touchdown score at 2,000 to 1. So it pays. So the sweat's on for us. No Buddy Howell. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to be okay. Will we be all do, right? Do you, have you, got, you guys considered changing the name from Circus Sports to the IRS. No, stop it already. We, <laughs> Jesus op- Christ. we like to give people a lot of options here. That's what we like to do. An expansive list. You'd like that as a better. I usually, when I like to get robbed, I'd like somebody to hold me at gunpoint at least. No gun, no ski mask. (laughs) All right, when we come back, we're going to start handicapping tonight's college basketball slate. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, like Spearmint, Wintergreen, or Amal's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Amal, you stayed hot last night. That game was not much of a sweat either over Arkansas at Georgia. 100 points in the first half. Felt really good about that one. Then you could have taken the second half middle of almost 30 points where it was 181. Yeah, you would have hit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was mad at myself for not giving out that Syracuse over. Holy cow. Next time Syracuse and NC State decided to play defensively the first time. Was that almost 100 at halftime, too? 87 in the first half. I, I saw it was like 104 with 15 minutes to go in the game. Game was officially over the 152 with just under the four media timeout. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you've been looking forward to this game since the, the first edition of it. The McHale Center tonight. Thank God. I thought you were going to start with Youngstown State IUPUI did like you did yesterday. No, I thought uh, we're going to hit. We got App State, Texas State later. All right. Number three, <laughs> UCLA at number seven, Arizona on ESPN tonight, 5 o'clock Pacific time from the McHale Can't Center. Can't wait. In Tucson. Now, remember, 
UCLA beat Arizona 75-69 on January 25th at Pauley Pavilion as a three-point underdog. Johnny Juzang had 15 for the Bruins in that effort. I was a little surprised at the number here on the comeback, Amal. UCLA 8-1 and in conference play, the lone loss to Oregon at home. Arizona only suffered that loss to UCLA. They're 7-1. They are 11-0 at the McHale Center. But Lane, 6 here, down a point from the overnight of 7, with a total of 149, up 2 points from the overnight. You said you were surprised. What were you surprised by? I what? thought it was high. I thought this number would come back around 5. Well, remember, they were 3-point favorites at Pauley. It's a bad I- number. Fair enough. I, I thought based on that number, this one would open at seven. We see it open at seven, comes down to six right now. I think it's a big number here for them to be laying. I think defensively, outside you look at the two losses that Arizona's had. The game at Pauley Pavilion and, then of course, the game at Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, Bowling Arena in which they lose that game. But to me, the way UCLA defends, Arizona has not been guarded like that all year. These guys get in your shirt, and it's tough to get shots off. Kirk Carrizo really struggled in this game. I think he was 0 for 12 last time around. This is the game for the Pac-12 title if UCLA wins the game. They win this game. They're winning the league. It's going to be tough for UCLA to then drop two games where Arizona will have to run the table. Uh, but I'm telling you, Mike, I think Arizona wins this game tonight. I don't know if they cover. I think it's a tough one to call. This would be an in-game opportunity if one side gets out in front by a big number or trails. And then I think we have the rubber match, which I think I may actually end up going with you on a Pac-12 tournament here on that Saturday. I'd love forget, to. Forget the rest of the other teams in that league. It is UCLA and Arizona. And what I love about that potential matchup is they're going to be playing for a one seed. Gonzaga will be the one seed in the West, but these two teams are looking at a potential one seed elsewhere. This game is going to come down to, can Benedict Matherin play at the, cap- at the level he's capable of? And can they still dominate the offensive glass the way Coloco and Tabellis did last time around? They were absolutely dominant on the glass. They couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat at Pauley Pavilion. Can UCLA play that well defensively? I give the advantage to UCLA because they've been there, done that. Right? Yeah. They took this team to the Final Four. They really yeah. had Gonzaga beat. I like what Mick Cronin's doing there. I think all things considered equal on a neutral. I think UCLA's the better team. Obviously, the McHale Center is going to be rocking tonight. Always a tough place to play. I think seven's a little too much or even six. I'm disappointed Ohio State. Iowa got postponed so because I was looking forward to laying the, the wood here with the Buckeyes. Tonight. I thought they were going to blow them out. I thought this number came back short at five. Me too. Um, I thought Ohio State would roll in that one. But, by the way, you know this is a big game because ESPN's got an odd starting time on this one. Eight right? o'clock five. Eastern, yeah. five on five the West Coast. Yeah, Just enough time for you to be stuck on the 405 and catching the first half on the radio. All right, let's go to the other big game in the West tonight, and that'll be at Laramie, Wyoming. In the arena auditorium between the top two teams in the Mountain West, Boise State, who I've been backing a lot recently, at Wyoming. This game was played also on January 25th, the first edition. Uh, Wyoming lost 65-62 to Boise. Boise didn't cover. They were laying five in that matchup. Wyoming has won eight of the last nine, the only loss at Boise, including an overtime win over Colorado State on Monday, Monday in Laramie. The Cowboys laying one at home here. Yeah, this is going to be a great matchup. I got to play in this game coming up later on. I do too. Um, oh no! Are are are, are you on? on I don't your, know. I don't. Are you on I your boys from Taco Bell Arena? I'm going Oppo here. I'm going to Wyoming tonight. I'm going I'm, Wyoming too. Oh, I'm on the that's Cowboys. Good. That's good. I'm, we're yeah, at seven thousand two hundred twenty <laughs> feet. Laramie, they're going to get it done. Graham Ek is going to have to have a big game in this one if they're going to win this matchup. This is a team. Maldonado's got to shoot the ball from the perimeter well. This is the one thing I don't like about Wyoming. If they're struggling from the perimeter, Mike, I think it could be a long night based on the way Rice's team defends. They've been terrific defensively. You pointed out the first matchup in Boise. They held them to 62 points. They're going to obviously get into the high 60s if they're going to get the W here. Critical game in the Mountain West. And by the way, all due respect to San Diego State, Utah State, and everybody else in this league. Colorado State. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
I thought this. I thought Colorado State has been better, but they've kind of regressed a little bit as we've gotten into league play. Nobody's talking about Boise State and the job they've done so far this year. You're the first one to point them out all year long, give you a lot of credit, because you've been you said several times you like them, and they had one of the best wins of the entire season for the conference, winning at the Vieja Center. I'm uh, I'm 3-0 and with them, uh, with Boise, but I'm going oppo tonight. I'm going with Wyoming. I think this is a good spot for Wyoming here. Boise's been life and death in their last couple of games, including rallying in that game in Logan where you thought I was on the wrong side. Okay, in uh, the West Coast Conference tonight, Gonzaga travels all the way down the coast to take on San Diego. This game is at 6 p.m. Pacific on ESPN2 uh, from the Fat Center, the Jenny Craig Pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> Gonzaga ranked number two in the country, undefeated in conference play, 17-2 and two overall. San Diego 6-3, and 13-9 and nine overall. Zags have won 10 straight. San Diego has won two straight. Amal, you got to lay a big number here tonight with the Zags. 21 and a half on the road, total of 150 and a half. See, this is the difficulty of Gonzaga for the last decade, decade and a half, right? You're laying 21, 22 points on the road. It's hard to take the Toreros. It depends on what kind of effort Gonzaga wants to give tonight. If Gonzaga says, listen, we're going to beat you and just absolutely destroy you, they can win this game by 40. If they come out with just a absolutely just kind of a lazy effort and they're just going through the motions, they can win this game by 17 in their sleep. I I have no play on this game. I will not lay these points on the road. I'll lay them in the kennel in certain spots, but not on the road. Okay, let's stay on the West Coast here. Let's go down to Tempe, the Desert Financial Arena. 8 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN2. 19th-ranked USC at Arizona State. USC 8-3 in league play, 18-3 overall. Bobby Hurley's team, Danny Hurley's team, Bobby Hurley's team 2-6 in league play, 6-12 overall. They've lost three in a row. They were all on the road. They get to come home here. They played this game at the Galen Center on January 24th. USC was laying 12, and they covered. They won 76 a 78-56. to 56. Drew Peterson had 16 for the Trojans in that game. They're laying six tonight, all with a total of 132. Every time you say Drew Peterson, I think Scott Peterson. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but the, the point is, with this team right now, USC, they're inconsistent offensively. When you look at this matchup, this is my favorite bet of the college basketball season so far. USC was trailing in this game. You could have gotten him in-game in this matchup, minus one and a half to win the game. SD was laying six and a half in the first half. They come back and cover the first half in the final four minutes. Arizona State couldn't miss a shot to start this game. I think this number's a little bit short with the Trojans, despite them being on the road. Arizona State can't shoot the ball consistently well. Offense is absolutely stagnant. Um, I I just think USC's size is going to be a difference on the glass in this game. I like the Trojans here laying five and a half, despite being on the road. I don't think you're betting it, though. No, I'll probably take a small play on it. Yeah, because, Mm. Mike, this Arizona State team has Mm. not been good. And, And the other problem is, Hurley is not a particularly good coach. The temperament that he exudes kind of rubs off on his team. And and I think so many times you got players arguing with referees more from their team than almost any team I see. He's a disgrace. All right, let's go to a road chalk spot I like a little better here. St. John's at Georgetown Mall. 3 o'clock uh, Pacific time on FS1 uh, from McDonough. Georgetown has lost nine in a row. They're 0-8 in Big East play, 6-13 and overall. St. John's 3-6 and and 11-9. and They played this game at Madison Square Garden on January 16th. The Johnnies were a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, and they covered, beating the Hoyas 88-69. to Tonight, they're laying five with a total of 158. Uh, tell you what, I'll be looking at the over in this game. I don't have a play on a side. I think Georgetown will compete. They competed in New York for a while, and then they got blown out. Uh, but I think when you look at this matchup, both teams want to go with tempo. You'll see a lot of free throws. I think this could be a high-scoring game. Uh, this Georgetown team is in serious trouble. I don't know how long Patrick Ewing is going to be in the nation's capital because they're just not uh, a good basketball team. America wants to know what your thoughts are on Conference USA, so we'll take this game between Western Kentucky and UNC Charlotte, 4 o'clock Pacific time from Halton Arena. 
Western Kentucky two and six, ten and eleven overall. Charlotte four and three, eleven and eight. Uh, Western Kentucky Mall has lost five straight coming into this game. Charlotte off a split of their home and home with Old Dominion. Western Kentucky here, strangely, Amal, unless there's an injury you'd like to tell me about, a two-point road favorite with a total of 140.5. Well, I think the fact that WKU's gone into the tank a little bit has hurt them. They play a zone there, Stansbury's team. Jamarion Sharp, 7-5 inside, difficult. It's going to be too perimeter-oriented for the 49ers in this matchup. That's the concern I have for them. I don't like Charlotte that much. Seen them play several times, been involved in several of their games this year, Mike. I think Kentucky gets off their losing streak here tonight and gets the road win, but I'm not going to lay this number. You know, I, I'm just not my kind of play laying two on the road. Their, their, their non-conference win over Louisville at home has not been flattered by Louisville's performance in the ACC. No, I, I would agree with you. Also, it's an in-state rival, so you get up for that game. But, you know, you look at some of these losses. FAU, FIU, no problem in that one. North Texas is probably one of the class teams of that league. All right, Amal, when we come back, we'll continue with college basketball, including a huge showdown in San Marcos. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness, Amal. You get Visa and all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit vsin.com slash madness to sign up today. Welcome back into Odds On, Mike Palm with Amal Shaw. I'm sure our own Hoops Peterson will be putting together the college basketball guide and maybe a, a forward from Taylor Mathis. That would that would be quite appropriate. I'd be more interested if I knew who the hell these people are. Uh, you don't know Hoops Peterson? Oh, I didn't. I thought his name was Greg. Employed through the pandemic. Okay, let's go to San Marcos, <laughs> Texas. Amal. Five, Why do you think Gloria Allred's excited? Five, 5 p.m. <laughs> from Strahan Arena. Huge, huge showdown here in the Sun Belt. App State. At Texas State, App State rolls in on top of the conference, having won six in a row. Texas State four and three over uh, in conference, thirteen and six overall. They just split their home and home with UT Arlington. Texas State, though, a four-point home favorite, Amal, with a total of one twenty-four. Yeah, this is a good three-point shooting team, around thirty-seven percent from beyond the arc. Always tough in San Marcos there with the Bobcats. This App State team defends, but they don't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, I tell you what, you found the one team in the Sun Belt that I've been involved in a bunch of games with, which is App State really? this year. Yeah, uh, have not football been football or basketball. Basketball, as well. basketball. Okay. Yeah, uh, have not been involved in uh, any uh, Texas State games this year. Last year was involved in a couple of their games here, but I would lean towards the Bobcats at home, laying the four. The Appalachian State team, when they're at home in Boone, they're a little bit more consistent offensively, but they're too reliant on their defense where they got to shut you down. I think Texas State gets it done on at home. Amal. Educate me and maybe some of the listeners. Where is San Marcos, Texas? Uh, halfway between uh, Texas, uh, Texas, between Austin and San Antonio. Uh, I believe right off. The, is it off thirty-five? I'm trying to think. It's have been you been there? Have you been to that gymnasium? I have not been there. No. Okay, one day. All right, let's no. <laughs> uh, let's switch to the Pac-12 for the next three matchups. Them all. Uh, and they are all rematches of games that have been played already in conference play. First one's pretty decent game in Boulder. Oregon at Colorado, 7 o'clock Pacific time on FS1. This game was played on 126 in Eugene. 
Oregon was an eight-point favorite. They were upset by the Buffaloes, 82 to 78. Oregon does ride a three-game road winning streak into the matchup. Oregon six and three in conference play. Colorado five and six. The Ducks, a two-point road favorite, them all with a total of 138 and a half. Yeah, I like uh, Colorado here. The home dog. I think this is a great spot for them. Uh, they are a different team in uh, Boulder. This Oregon team has been inconsistent. I know everyone expects Dana Altman's team to turn the corner, uh, but I, I like Colorado here at home. What happened to Colorado up in Washington? They got beaten in close game yeah. uh, in Seattle, but then they got absolutely noosed on the Palouse. I mean, they were down like 40 when I looked at that score. I don't think you weekend. can say that, but that's okay. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah you, it was the defense. They, you, the, the guy that went to Alabama in the strip clubs had that Palouse news. The defense of Washington <laughs> Mike, Mike, State. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mike Price. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this Colorado team just laid an egg in that game. I mean, I think they were catching six and a half or seven, five and a half, somewhere around there. Oof. They absolutely got boat raced I early. The, I looked at the line. I said, isn't this too many? And then I looked, they were down 25 the first time I saw a score. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. I'm sitting there at dinner Sunday night, and I go, hey, good news. They're down about 19. I won't have to check my phone the rest of the night. I knew I had a dead oh, loser. No, I didn't know you were on Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Let's move on to the next game, which involves Washington State, by the way. They're at Stanford. Uh, this game, 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time on the Pac-12 network from Maples Pavilion. Washington State has won three in a row all at home, including that shellacking of the Buffaloes. Stanford, remember this game that was delayed an hour and a half, two hours with all the COVID testing? Actually won in Pullman that day. I had Stanford plus seven. They had a 23-0 run in the second half and beat Washington State 62-57. Washington State here, a three-point road favorite, uh, five and three in league play, six and four overall, with a total of one thirty-one and a half. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised to see that uh, Washington State's a road favorite here. I want answers. Who, you know, when LeBron and Dwayne Wade said when uh, T- uh, Fizdale got fired in New York, want answers. I want to know who the hell thinks Washington State should be a road favorite at Maples. Give me Stanford all day in this game. This, well, this is, should be at NPN or no points needed. So Washington State was a seven and a half point favorite at home in the matchup. It's adjusted for what? Did, did you think Stanford would be favored here? There'd be a Nine-point correction? Well, first of all, thank you, smart guy. You don't uh, have to say first of all. Just tell me your thoughts in order. You don't need to label them one, two, and three. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. I appreciate that. Anyway, the point is, um, when you look at this matchup, I thought the line you and I both talked about it the first time up at the Palouse, was this was too, ridiculous the ridiculous line. line. <laughs> okay, let's start with that. It's just like the UCLA line tonight down in Tucson. And the second thing is, I wanted to give you the number there in uh, okay. corresponding order. Washington State is not as good as people think they are. This Stanford team has been highly competitive in a lot of spots. I know they got dusted by UCLA, but if you look at UCLA, what they've been able to do defensively for the last half a dozen games, they've suffocated everybody. I think Stanford wins this game. They struggled a little bit. You watched the game. You took Stanford second half, got a W in that game, had a 10-point lead. Hey, how about getting a point guard that can make one out of two free throws? It's unbelievable. If Shepard doesn't hit that shot, Stanford gets a 10-point win. I think it's an overreaction on the line. I don't like Smith as a coach at Washington State. I think the team is a little bit undisciplined. Noah Williams is too reliant. He doesn't get his offense involved with the rest of the team involved enough. I think Rodman's a good perimeter player and does a lot of the dirty work for this Wazoo team, but they're just not that good. I like Stanford at home. I'm taking you want Britain to add this to them all in. It's already in. Oh, it's already in. Oh, wonderful. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have argued that firmly if I did if known you had a play on the game. Let's go to the uh, the last game in the Pac-12. This is a game you won the first time I remember when Utah was at Oregon State as a favorite. This time the Beavers um, go to Salt Lake City to the Huntsman Center to take on Utah. Six o'clock Pacific time on ESPNU. Uh, Oregon State won that game at home, 88-76, on December 30th as a five-point dog at Gills Coliseum. I know you were all over them that night. Jacob Lewis had 25 for the Beavers. Utah's lost 10 in a row 
heading into this matchup. 1-11 in league play. Oregon State 1-7. This is the bottom of the Pac-12. Oregon State 3-15 overall. Utah 8-14 overall. Who is it that makes Utah a seven-point favorite over anybody? <laughs> the same la- people. I want answers. They're laying seven total of 141. I'll tell you what. The Utes were great. Uh, I was Washington on Saturday up at uh, Hack Ed. They were only getting a point and a half. Loved Washington. That one took double overtime, but they got it done. Mike, I'm not going to lay six and a half here, but I think Utah wins this basketball game. I think they end the streak. Oregon State has just been horrific. You know, we talked about Joe Namath getting mileage out of one game. Wayne Tinkle, talk about getting mileage out of three games. Oregon State's already looking at every lawyer in the state of Oregon is looking at the buyout clause in Wayne Tinkle's contract. He has won as many games right now as he did over that nine-day stretch last year in March. Yeah. Three wins on the season. Come on. They've got too much talent to be a three-win Obama's team. Obama's brother-in-law had a better record at Oregon State. He did. State. Craig Robinson. Yeah, he yes, he did. Yes, he did. Hard to believe. Uh, all right. Let's go big sky in. And we'll go Montana at Weber State. Good game. 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time from the D Event Center in Ogden. Montana handed Weber State their only loss of the season in Missoula, 74-72. Montana was actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game on, on New Year's Day. Amal, Weber State has won seven straight and sit atop the big sky at 10-1. and one. Weber State laying seven here in Ogden with a total of 143-and-a-half. Yeah, I think uh, Montana's in trouble in this game. You go back to that game, which they played earlier in the year. We uh, Montana shoots over 50% from the floor, better than 50% from the three-point arc. I think Weber State will defend better and play better. Uh, this team is, to me, the class of the big sky. Uh, they've got the, uh, I think it's McEwen is the transfer from Marquette on this team, who's really had a great season so far for them. But I like Weber State here to win this basketball game, Mike. I just think that when you look at Montana, they're a very solid team at home, but I just don't think they're going to be able to get it done tonight on the road. All right. Uh, let's go back to the West Coast Conference. San Francisco at BYU tonight. This game televised on CBS Sports, 7 o'clock Pacific time from the Marriott Center in Provo. Um, San Francisco comes off a win over Santa Clara on the Hilltop, 88-85 over the weekend, although they did not cover as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. BYU actually won at the Hilltop earlier in the year on January 15th, 71-69, catching four against San Francisco. BYU, a short home favorite here, Amal, of two with a total of 141. Yeah, that was a really good game last time around these two teams met. Uh, it was a, just basically a poor performance from San Francisco in terms of shooting the basketball. They were only three for 23 from beyond the arc in that game, 24 for 28 from the free throw lines, what kept a minute. Look, with all that being said, I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't believe the Dons can go on the road to the Marriott Center and get a road win here. I think uh, BYU wins this game. San Francisco's a terrific basketball team. But I just don't know if they're good enough at this point in time to be able to take these road wins. You know, a perfect example of why the Dons, to me, have not been able to take that next step forward is they have a huge lead in that game at home at War Memorial against St. Mary's. They blow that game. We see uh, St. Mary's, the Gales, come back and win that basketball game. You fall behind here at the Marriott Center, you're going to be in trouble. This Dons team's going to have to get out to a quick start if they're going to be able to even have a chance to win, in my opinion. I'm all as football ends. I know we'll be focused on the Big West. So let's go straight to the heart of the IE. You see Riverside tonight hosting the Warriors of Hawaii, 8 p.m. Pacific time on ESPNU from the SRC Arena. Hawaii rolls into this game having won seven in a row. Riverside lost at home to UC Davis uh, on February 1st, 65-60. Hawaii undefeated in conference play, but they're catching two and a half here with a total of 127 a month. No play in this game, but I'll tell you one thing. If you haven't watched the Warriors, and I watched them play the Gauchos, I'll tell you what, they can really shoot the basketball from the perimeter. 37% as a team. De Silva's been terrific for them as well. Uh, Riverside at home, you'd look at the home team here in terms of the Highlanders, but I'm going to stay away from this matchup. 
All right, coming up, we'll have a mall in, the Palm Reader Playbook, and a mall's going to dive deep on the Betty Markets for this year's Wooden Award. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCast designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCast in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Amal, you stayed hot last night. Arkansas, Georgia over. You were rolling for Nolan 40 minutes of hell. They flew over the total there. Tom Green's team just could not put any pressure on him in the half court. First coach fired in college basketball. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown or Tom Crean at Georgia? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough call. It really is. But I think Tom How about Green... the guy at Cal? Mark Fox? Yeah, the guy that used to be at Georgia. He's Cal a... is awful. They are awful, but they at least but compete. They were expected to be awful. <laughs> yeah, they, and they at least compete. I mean, Georgia, they're done, you know, 20 minutes into a basketball game. I would game. say Creed because he doesn't have the family legacy there in that part of the country and all that. I mean, Ewing's just tough tough to fire Ewing at Georgetown, isn't it? One of the greatest players of all time came within yeah. three points of three national titles. Yeah. Unbelievable. Let's start out tonight in Laramie, 72-20 elevation there. I like the Cowboys in this one. Now, Boise State has now become the favorite in this game, but I'm going to take my chances. Graham Ike and company. Maldonado and them get it done at home on their home floor. The Cowboys get the revenge in this matchup. Stanford-Washington State, a revenge spot here for Wazoo. I generally don't like to go against the revenge, Mike, but I don't like this Washington State team. Who the hell are they to be a road favorite at Maples? We saw USC go in there. Big favorites came out with an L. But then again, Andy Enfeld hasn't coached the offense since he was at Florida Gulf Coast. And the bottom, Did he coach offense there? They just lobbed it up. <laughs> lob City. It was yeah, Lob City, City yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I think Cass's team competes well. They just don't have the player to take them over the top. I know Ingram's an NBA prospect. I'm not as big on him as maybe some other people are. Should be a pretty good game. Stanford always fundamentally sound. Like the Cardinal catching three and a half in this game. Mike, I think they win this game outright. I don't think the points are going to be a necessity, but take them just in case. Are you going to, and I know you love this word, sprinkle the money line? Shut the hell up with that. Are you kidding me? Sprinkle. That damn bunch of donut-eating MFers around here. No wonder why everyone's pushing maximum density. Can we get them a Peloton in here? Next play. All right, let's go. BYU-USF. Going with the Cougars at home. 
USF, this Don's team's been solid, but on the road away from War Memorial, different story at the Marriott Center tonight. Alex Purcell is going to have a big night. I like BYU minus the two. Get it done. All right, I have a couple of plays here trying to rebound. I don't mind my Wisconsin play last night. We talked about this. Do you, I took, if they lose, I, they I lose. Took them, I took them in the second half, yeah, plus three. Yeah. Because I didn't uh, get them before the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with UCLA here. I think the number's too tall. I think seven is a lot of points here. I think this is going to be a competitive game. I'll be shocked if Arizona wins by double digits. To your point, they're down fours, they're down six. They foul, they don't convert. It can get stretched out. But I'll take the seven here. I'm the one that said before the season or early in the season when Arizona wasn't even ranked that this could be a Final Four team. But I think UCLA is better than Arizona. That's a fair argument. I still lean towards Arizona. However, I think there's a lot more pressure on Arizona in this game than there is on UCLA. Arizona's got something to prove. As good as Arizona's been this year, two losses. And remember, they came back in that game against Tennessee, came up a little bit short. To me, UCLA has kind of been there, done that. They know what they have, and their defense will always be available to them. But can Arizona win a game where you play an elite-level defensive team who's really going to guard you? Because Arizona just absolutely suffocates opponents with their offense. But now, this UCLA team, Mike, you go back and look over the last five, six games, they have been elite defensively, the Bruins have. And I, I see where you're coming from on this one. Number down to six now. I didn't end up touching it, but I'm pretty sure I'll end up with an in-game on the Bruins. Yeah, I got the better of this number, the worst of the Wyoming one with you. We yeah. laid the one already here. Look, I've been on Boise three times. They won and covered all three times. I think that's this string of them eking out these victories ends tonight. And Laramie, Boise State can defend, but Wyoming can shoot the basketball them all. And if they can shoot to their potential tonight, i like them to win this game and win by distance. I like the point you made about them shooting the basketball. <laughs> when you're at home, you tend to be a little bit better. Familiarity, more con- obviously, just have seen the shooting background a lot more. And I think Wyoming wins this game. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game. And, you know, you mentioned the minus one, especially if you can get Wyoming now. I'd probably take the money line so that way you have an opportunity to hedge in-game. And I want to bring up this point real quick before we move on. You don't have to be quick. we got six more minutes. <laughs> uh, when you look at the in-game opportunities, last night at halftime, Syracuse is down at the break. I think they were down three. They were plus 140 on the money line. You take Syracuse money line because the way NC State shot the ball in the first half, they were better than 50% from the three-point arc, but they only had a three-point lead. You didn't think they were going to sustain it. Syracuse jumps out to a 10-point lead in the second half. About eight, nine minutes ago, maybe a little bit more time than that. They were minus nine dollars plus five seventy-five the other way. And let's say just for simple math, you bet a hundred on NC, excuse me, Syracuse plus the one forty. You didn't take the two and a half. Right then and there, you just come back in at twenty dollars on NC State plus five seventy-five. No risk left in the game. NC State cuts it to a one-point lead, and then Syracuse ends up holding on. But I think there's so many great opportunities. That's why sometimes Foregoing points, whether on a minus two or a minus or a plus one or two, is a huge advantage of just taking the money line because of your hedging possibility. When you look at a box score at halftime, Amal, are you focused on shooting percentage? I'm focused on three things: shooting percentage, number one; number two, uh, obviously the opponents and, and the uh, the other team turnovers, and then fouls and free throw attempts. Because if you've gotten uh, into a ton of foul trouble and you haven't adjusted the way the game is being officiated, I have some concerns as you continue to move forward. What was the game yesterday where the team only shot two free throws in the first matchup? Dayton and uh, VCU. And we saw in this second game, uh, Dayton dominated in that game, particularly on the defensive end. VCU really struggled. Um, Let's get into this market. Uh, Oh, I want to make another point. I was watching because there was a lot of basketball Saturday, especially this Big 12 SEC Challenge. I really wasn't watching the Florida-Oklahoma State game that closely, but I noticed a tweet from Hoops at halftime about how much over their head Oklahoma State had shot in the first half. Remember, they were up 13 at halftime. 
it, it, it caused me to make a small play on Florida in the second half. They rallied not only to cover, but to win the game. I uh, Actually, you know, it's funny. I, I thought if you had told me you'd take them, I would have told you to take the money line. Yeah. Because I they agree. were down 11 at the break. I thought it was 13. It might have been 13. Yeah. And they were like six and a half or seven I, and a half. I, second I, half. I laid seven in the second half. See, that's a precarious number. So if you're going to come all the way back, you got a great chance to win the game, and you could have gotten a good plus, plus price on Florida, and then they ended up pulling away. I was hoping for overtime, so I took this. Anyhow, um, let's move on to what, what I teased coming into this Wooden Award here. You hadn't really taken a deep look into this market, but I think there's some interesting numbers here. College Basketball Player of the Year. Your favorite right now, uh, your guy, Oscar Chishibwe from Kentucky at plus 550. Is he simply too short at this price? I think he is a little bit. Um, but remember, this guy has been a rebounding machine. I was actually looking through his numbers a couple of days ago. He's had only three or four games where he has not had a double-double in rebounds. He had a 28-game rebound performance earlier this year. That is incredible. I'm not as high on Kofi Coburn as a lot of other people are, but he is a catalyst for this Illinois team. He's been outstanding at 6-1. to one. Who's the Big Ten player of the year right now? Is it Coburn or is it Keegan Murray? No, no, no. Oh. You're not going to go with my man in Wisconsin, Johnny Davis? He's All he's yeah. done is carry the load. Not after they Bennett cost Davidson me 3.30 last night, I'm not. Bennett Davidson. Brad Davison comes out there in a walker. Johnny Davis has got to carry this team. You think Tyler Wall's the one getting it done? It's Johnny Davis who's going to end up being a top 10 pick. He's been outstanding. I think you're looking at right now the individual players of the year potentially in these leagues. I know Colbert's been outstanding, but I think Davis is the guy for this league so far. And you mentioned Keegan Murray. He's been tremendous, but Iowa has had their struggles, and they're fortunate they don't have this game tonight in Columbus because I think they would have gotten embarrassed. Jaden Ivey, Purdue, uh, 20 to 1, and Jabari Smith from Auburn, 20 to 1. Ivy, terrific player, going to have a great NBA career. The problem with Jaden Ivey is this. He plays on a team where there's some talent. Stefanovic can shoot the ball from the perimeter. We see Travion Williams. We see uh, the big man. I'm drawing a blank on him right now. His name uh, seven one seven two uh in there. But I, I look at this team, and they're much more balanced. So I think Ivy's not necessarily the guy. Jabari Smith, to me, is outstanding. But one thing that gets overlooked with a potential number one overall pick is how good the rest of the team is. Kessler is out just a monster defensively for this team. They, Mike, I'll tell you, I was wrong on Auburn. This team is a legitimate threat to win the national title. I know you're disagreeing already. No, no. I, I said at the beginning of the year I had someone approach me when we were in Iowa and say they thought Auburn was the best team in the country. And I said... I just think Bruce Pearl's style is too high-risk, high-reward to win six consecutive games. I'm beginning to change my opinion. Amal, the energy that this team plays with on the defensive end of the court as well, I I respect them an awful lot. They're going to be a tough out in the tournament. They'll they'll probably be a one seed now. I would agree with you, but I look at a couple of teams that would be intriguing matchups with them. Purdue because of the size, and then, of course, uh, Gonzaga. I think these teams could match up pretty well. UCLA will be interesting because I think one thing that you got to give Mick Cronin's team credit for is they play very intelligent basketball. They don't get a lot of dumb fouls. That's the one thing with Auburn sometimes I don't like. They get silly fouls. Is Timmy going under the radar 10-1? to 1? No, because you got Chet Olmgren. I, I like the way Strother's played for them. I'm a big Nemhart guy for uh, Gonzaga. I, I think they're too much of a balanced team. Houston's ranked sixth in the country. Oh, can Houston so compete with these guys? Yes, they can because they defend you. They This team has a bunch of guys without Sasser in the lineup. They've got a bunch of guys that do a lot of different things. The problem with Houston is lack of continuous shooting in terms of doing it well. Houston, Kentucky in an Elite Eight game. Who do you got? I'm going to go with the Wildcats. I'm high on Kentucky. Who do you you think that Wildcats don't match up with if they get to an Elite Eight or a Final Four spot? I think Gonzaga could be a bit of a problem. I I think Holmgren's ability to go out on the perimeter could bring Shibway away from the basket. I think that could be a challenge. Does the winner of the NCAA tournament this year come from south of the Mason-Dixon line or west of the Mississippi? Who 
great question. Um, I, I'm going to go west. I, I, Arizona, UCLA, and Gonzaga, and Gonzaga are three, three, of them three legitimate tests. Or but. yeah, we should make groups of east and west. Auburn, Kentucky, you know what That's I mean? That's a pretty good grouping. It's not a bad grouping. Stay tuned to Visa and up next, Betting Across America. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.